Hey guys, welcome to episode 135 of the JV Club with my guest, Jamie Denvo. I have a smile in my voice as I say the name Jamie Denvo because I just think she's the greatest. Uh, this is the other half of Rana and Beverly, guys. If you are listening chronologically, you are listening to uh, this episode is the Beverly to Jessica Chaffin's Rana. Uh, I can't say enough wonderful things about uh, Jamie Denvo. I will let her delight you for herself. I want to just get some shout outs in there. I have to be honest with you and say I'm a little behind on some Twitter and Facebook and uh, Nerdist shout outs. I'm very, very deep in the trenches of SF Sketchfest. We're getting ready to announce our full lineup on December 12th. So um, it's crazy right now, guys, but I'm so glad I was able to make this podcast happen. And I want to thank uh, Alana and Amanda and Tiana and Candice. Um, some of you are but have now become fans of cereal because of my endless yammering about it. So I'm glad that maybe something fun and good came out of my obsession with it. Don't worry, I do mention it in this podcast too. Uh, ben and Coralie on Facebook, thank you. Uh, Shiala, thanks for your email. Santiago, thanks for yours. Um, Gokje, thank, for, thank you for your email and uh, for telling me how to pronounce your beautiful name. Um, Carolina, thank you for your t-shirt order. Uh, I also want to just uh, remind guys, I know I've been a little uh, obscure about how to get t-shirts. I do still have some left. I think now I'm down to ladies' larges, men's, mediums, larges, and extra larges. And you can PayPal me if you are in the continental United States at j.varney at sfsketchfest.com with your address and what size shirt you want. And I will go ahead and get that out. I also have Cora stuff available from my website. Um, if you visit janetvarney.com there's information about getting cora and uh stuff sent to you from that Ooh, okay guys uh sit back enjoy uh this marvelous episode listen i'm not to be patting myself on the back i just think jamie denbo is wonderful and uh i'll talk to you guys soon bye now entering nerdist.com Are we just going to gaze at each I other? Ju- well, you know what? I, 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 lucky me if I get to gaze at you. It's like, I really is. It's like a pleasure. I mean, I will say I don't get to see you often enough. I'm I don't see you often right enough. Now. And it is like your face. It's like I'm gazing upon like a, 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 like a bit of a Greek goddess situation. <laughs> it's really. It's, Do we know that Greeks were like blonde and tall? No, no. That's I have no idea. <laughs> no, no. Norwegian. I think if I, yeah. Uh, but if it's, I were... it's like a pleasure. Like a oh, pretty people Jamie. are a pleasure. You're a beautiful woman. What are you I'm talking okay. about? <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm not. I, it, I'm all right. But you know, with, with me, my big secret is, you know, doing Beverly most of the time and looking like a fucking 60-year-old so lunatic. Great, and also, you know, I mean, just looking homeless. <laughs> so, I, you know, I put on a smidge of lipstick and people are like, hello. And I'm like, oh, I just, oh, I, I just put on, that's the lipstick. But no, but no. It's- There's something about that that really appeals, though. It is, I like the idea of the kind of anti, like to be able to exist in a world yep. where, where where you know it's it's a surprise and a delight when you put on a, a splash of oh, lipstick even to yourself because I sometimes feel like that if I go a long time without doing I mean it's kind of sad that for me to look at myself normally in the mirror oh that come I'm just on. like oh yeah whatever and then I put on oh yeah lipstick and it's like and well I'm that like, is a change oh, well I mean my kids that's like they're big especially my son like I put on a little bit of lipstick and he just won't stop staring at me he's like what what did you 
what did you do? And I'm like, okay, it works on a very primal level. Yeah. Like I look at his, I like, do That's you like it? I'm going as like on a primal, is it on yes. a primal level? Like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, is it, is it society culturally? We think that I don't like, know. it's flattering or is the end of the day well, just it, like, look, it, you know, for a long time, people felt that a blush on the cheeks and a blush in the, well, is it, what is, I don't like know. I feel like maybe it's primal. Cause it's, is it primal? Is it a weather, vibrant, a weather related thing, like a nature related thing. Like yeah. if you are active, you get flushed, right? Yeah. But then with the, and you look healthy. Right. And I just had the most upsetting thought in the world Uh-oh. that I know that like during the, <laughs> during the, oh, no. you know, like, I, dur- <laughs> I, rem- I remember, starts out with that. yeah, in Schindler's List, they would prick their fingers and try to put blush on them to look healthy. Yeah. Isn't that oh, the Holocaust? That Listen, was, is it too I soon? just had you. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not um, because this feels like it's already just part two of, of the Holocaust Chavins conversation. Yeah. She was ready to talk That's all about I it until the cows came home. Well, that's our generation, though, of Jewish, particularly Jewish women, but I think everybody to a certain degree is like, I will never have enough uh, Holocaust movies, material, books, stories, writings. I I cannot get enough. Yeah. And I don't know what, I think I know what it is that is that, because I know a bunch of people, particularly Jewish women our age, I'm older than you, but our age group, who are, have a unbelievable uh, fascination with it isn't that interesting you so you feel it's generational so i do it, it hits at I that do. Yep. i was about to say sweet spot boy this is not going no 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 no, no. It, it is, is a, it is a sweet, sweet spot. spot listen it is it but is it, but it hits at that spot where your grandparents it's sort of your grandparents well, it's like uh, but that's not why okay uh, we are a generation away keep talking from, i just forgot one thing yeah yeah we're a generation away from people that actually know or were directly related to people that i think were I mean, there might be a few of us with like a great grandparent or possibly a grandparent, but you, it's hard pressed to find anyone who's like in any of your immediate family. Like our parents knew family members who they lost. Like that was a, a face recognition thing. For us, we instead, because they, they were so traumatized, our parents, we got bombarded. I mean, I don't, I cannot remember a time when I did not know that Jews were put in ovens. Like that was a vivid I had Hitler nightmares in kindergarten. Like we were just giving, and having children, young children now, like I can't even fucking imagine like just opening letting loose. Yeah. Let yeah, rip like, with that. Why would so I tell them on. that right now? Like they can hang on to their innocence a little bit longer. They don't yeah. need to know about the yellow stars that I wore on Yom HaShoah in uh, Jewish day school when I was six. Like yeah. I don't need to. And so we were, I think very much collectively traumatized. And so now we're sort of working it out we're, or, or we're attached to it in a way. Like it's an abuser that we can't let go of. We that's feel like. so interesting mental abuse like i, I and we were, we were also the whole thing with us was zahor remember 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 if you don't remember it will happen again it will happen again yeah i mean i feel that was yes. drilled into me it was as a gentile also yes. because like all my friends were jewish and but but i think it was I, present my husband's not jewish and also and he i knew feel too. like i have guilt and i don't even have any germanic ancestry at all everyone i knows. have survivor guilt yep. and i'm not jewish and i'm not oh i think as americans Ger- we you know did what I mean? too yeah. i think that was an american thing too i think anyone who wasn't in Europe I think I think the Germans have it for other reasons like it's it's just I think that there's a certain level on one level it sort of prevents a certain amount of healing to say don't forget because if you forget it'll happen again that's not healing that's traumatic that's saying you have 
I'm not saying we don't have a responsibility to honor and remember, but we also have a responsibility to heal. And to me, it's very counter. It's very typical, like, watch your back because somebody is coming to get you. That's fear-based. And it goes against all modern psychology. Yeah. So I think that's why all Jewish people are super neurotic. Yeah. I mean, I know it's like it's like a joke, but it's true. I think we're all just like, well, we were trained that if you fucking turn your back for two seconds, someone can put you in an oven. Yeah. I want to go in an oven. Yeah. God, I think that's a How really good get point, here? though. No, but was I, there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, no, the Holocaust? This, is, <laughs> this, is my, this is a Holocaust this podcast. This is my blonde-haired, oh my God. blue-eyed. So good. I think it's great that Holocaust you're putting yourself podcast. out there. The Holocaust. The Holocaust. The Holocaust. Oh Holocaust. God, that's awesome. You and I, I can't love believe you. that we never thought of that. I can't believe it either. You got to take that right into Ron and Beverly. It's you got to prance that oh, term. We cover that all the time. If there is an episode where Beverly doesn't mention six million in some context, then I don't know what it is. So. No, I. Who do you like better, me or Chaffin? Uh, so far, right? I mean, you. I know. Listen. Thanks. No, but Thank I've you. also known you longer. Let's just. Yeah. Right. right? Let's okay. Good. Good. I hope now, she's listening. Chaffin was worried about. Uh, she. And that's actually what she. I didn't said listen to. Her. I listened she... to half of it, and then I got cut off by my fucking kids. So oh, uh, that's kids. their fault. But yes, I actually, was... you know what? She's winning now because you can't stop talking about your kids. No, I'm totally I kidding. I know it's boring. Um, it's boring. I don't want to hear. Her talking I don't about think that it's boring at all. And I also. But she was worried about the teenage stuff. She was like, she's. I don't think she would mind if I said this, but she was like, I don't know about this. Like, like Jamie's got great like teenage stories. I don't know if I have. Is that true? You don't have to. This is like a thing where I need you to trot out any series of stories. Of course, she was great and wonderful and it wasn't an issue but um, uh. but but she did set you up now for me to be like oh who's this person who's got all these interesting great stories oh boy. It's, I was just thinking about how I just had a flashback I'm gonna try to make this little logic to get there quickly but like my son's babysitter plays on a basketball team are you playing with like the lady comedy basketball people these days? No. There's like a basketball league in LA for really like funny women and like it's like literally like Aubrey Plaza and and um uh, uh, Stephanie Aline and Carolyn McKenzie and Catherine, all these UCB people. Oh, okay. Nope, never heard anyway, of it. Don't know how to well, play Well, I mean, me neither, but you're tall yeah. and athletic. Um, what do I fucking know about basketball? Are you kidding? Anyway, one of them babysits for my son on occasion, Carolyn McKenzie, who's hilarious and brilliant, funny writer, and love her very much, and whatever. Once in a while, she watches my son. So she invited us to come see her basketball game last night. So I brought Walter to the basketball game. And I and had how old is he? He's five. I had such a visceral reaction to watching like athletic jockey girls with those serious faces playing ball and so recognizing the feeling of watching exactly that and feeling so out of place in that arena. Like, oh, I'm in a gym again. This smells familiar. Uh It smells like I don't fit here. Uh (laughs) It smells like jocks doing things they want to do. They want to be... Right. Dribbling that ball. That's so interesting. I feel no desire yeah. to dribble that. Yeah. I would. I feel like I want to sit in a dark theater wearing all black and hate myself. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> so I feel very out of place. These women seem to like themselves and it feels like maybe they had a big pasta dinner the night before right. and maybe talked about like uh, another sport uh-huh. uh, and enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And I don't even speak that language. Like they may has, they may as well have been speaking another language. And these are all girls who you have a knowledge of, uh, of them being like that before. Or these are yes, girls. I think they got were, into yes, because they happen to also be like, that's actually what's hilarious about it is looking at it at this age, 41, instead of looking at it at 14, I can see that like I also happen to know these particular women as women who do a ton of comedy and who are very funny and talented in their own right and they're just diverse and how my own judgment about the 
total simplicity of women who just play basketball has thank god changed quite a bit yeah but also like it was a very funny flashback to my teenage years of just like oh fuck those guys i mean well, i don't want i don't want to do it sporty. anyway i don't yeah. want to do it anyway no i for you sure didn't was. play any sports i didn't play any you, sports. i can picture you in a uniform nope what do you mean so what'd you do you will never you will never see a picture of me in a uniform you don't have a shin kid. pad anywhere not a shin pad to be seen now have a lot of biking gear. Oh yeah, well, but that yeah. is like a solitary. Like yeah. I don't, you know what I mean. That is a solitary thing that I carried with me from being a kid and right. liking, you know, being on my bike alone. Um, never ever part. I mean, do you bike in LA? Young, I worry. About I, you. Oh yeah, but I do it like not. I don't. I'm very nervous. Yeah. I've had a couple nervous. accidents. Of course you have. But, Please be uh, careful. But not the not so much with like traffic. Anymore. yeah good yeah okay yeah you're here but but i don't yeah no i didn't uh i didn't participate in anything like that i feel like i participated in like track and field because you had to well, I think Chaffin in, did you know, like some st- sort of uh, fucking lesbian stuff, sport but... like didn't she do fucking i can't remember i think feel like she definitely did soccer she's it's possible she would... we never even got into that because she likes she's she's sporty you know yeah. she's peppermint patty-esque <laughs> you know and i don't mean that in the lesbo way i mean that in the raspy voice and the red like hair ref, and but i don't ever remember her playing sports did she play sports that's totally fair i have no idea <laughs> but you know what i could chaffin would probably prefer to be a ref and make the calls yeah now anyway yeah um no it's so funny i you know God, I, I would love to see her play a ref that'd be wonderful oh i'd love to see her play a ref opposite kroll oh. when he plays his ref on kroll. oh that kroll so if you're amazing. listening make it happen oh my god that would be incredible. yeah no she, i i feel like i wonder if jessica and i would have i feel like we, we she, i would have been so terrified of her in, as a teenager <laughs> because she was i'm sure look i'm sure she was insecure but i think she's got such an incredible air of confidence i gotta be honest with you if you listen to the entirety of the podcast you will learn as i did that it doesn't sound like she was insecure <laughs> like right. she yeah she definitely was she's, just like i knew who i was yeah i had a well you a know very what? mature she, sense of i like, think that happens she told you about and, the her siblings and stuff so i think i think she probably did come up with a certain level of like i'm gonna take what's mine and i'm i'm gonna you know be here and i'm gonna make myself known and everything else and i was i mean i come from the opposite family scenario from her like i was an only child yep and i was totally fucking weird and talking to myself in my room and you know from a young and just like just you know the weird 70s 80s kid you know the one who watched tv every fucking you know i learned how to everything i learned i learned from three's company like it's like and i don't think i had a healthy social interaction situation going until post-college oh wow yeah. all the way post-college okay. oh i was where just, was this by the way i grew up in swampscott massachusetts which is a very small town north of uh boston about 12 miles north of boston it's a seaside town um it's a very pretty little town yeah, it's not nice. really a vacation destination but it it was sort of it's nestled between marblehead and salem kind of so it's on the way it's in, it's one of those um yeah, i've definitely been to salem i for sure yeah. have been to the only time i've really ever spent time in boston was when i was probably in sixth grade ah, and, and i my, did the freedom trail and i well you know what i was i the two things i really remember about my trip to that area i had a mm. best friend who lived who moved away from tucson and moved to pittsfield and so there were two summers that I went and spent like a few weeks with them, which was pretty great. Like I flew on my oh, own yeah. and stuff. It was really sure. cool. Um, but I remember the aquarium in Boston. Sure. It's a great aquarium. 
the Boston Children's Museum. Great. Was with the milk bottle outside. Yeah, it's Oh, wonderful. my God. They had, like... And they've actually... The giant, like, a giant, like, a desktop that's giant. Like, a pencil yes. as big yes. as you. And they've and been, like, and a mug you can climb into. It's still great. And they've added a ton of shit. I A ton of shit. And they still have the milk museums. bottle. It's wonderful. It's, I don't... You know what? I don't feel children's museums get discussed enough. Do they get discussed among parents? Because yes. I am not having conversations about... Yes. I'm never hearing about how great a yes. children's museum is. Oh, that's they are. one okay. of the major topics. God, Especially like, I'm going to this. this city. And it's like, do I have a children's museum? Yeah. Because I don't murder f- four hours. Yes. So yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, do they still have the thing? I think... I feel like the Boston... Because there used to be a great Los Angeles children's museum. Which one? It's gone now. It's gone. Not it was like on space. the Wilshire... No, it was... I think it was the LA Children's Museum. I think it was on... Like somewhere in the Wilshire Corridor. It, and it's gone. Well, they have... Maybe they replaced it. I mean, not that anyone wants to hear about but they do have a really amazing one in Pasadena called Kid Space. Okay, and it's fantastic. Do they have that thing where these are the? Uh, let me let's let me give you some of my most fond children's museum I memories real quick, and then we'll pop back yeah, over yeah, to Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. The room where you go in and it's like uh, it's like you're inside of a camera in the sense that you like <gasps> jump in the air and a flash happens and then they capture your shadow on yes, the wall. Yes, they have that. They have that. They doing. still have that right. in the Children's Museum in Boston. Right. And it, my kids saw it and it's amazing. And yeah. then they have like a version of that that has like bubble imprints and like okay. butterflies and like i'd yeah. love to see what's been updated and like what stands the test of time versus what's been updated i also feel like oh, it was yeah. in a room that was all velcro and you could like attach you could put oh, on that like i don't remember jacket but before you went in and you could like stick yourself to stuff and kind of spider-man your way if up childhood could be described as one desirable activity it would be sticking something to something else right? whether that's whether that's a body part <laughs> or a, an object gluing anything food, involving rubber it's cement. all about sticking one goddamn thing yeah. to something else Yes. Yes. They really figured that out and knocked it out of the park. In the beautiful teeth. Dance. You have beautiful god teeth. Damn it. Oh god. <laughs> you do. I see some do. real Beverly. Have you ever out. had a pimple? Yes, I have one right now on my cheek. Ugh. I'll let you get in. Well, it looks like it blush. It's just a disaster. <laughs> I probably bl- put some blush over. I kill myself. Also, I have no plans to do anything but work today. I put makeup on for you and you alone. Oh, thank you. Um. Okay, but we're still Massachusetts, but I will quickly say, and I'm because I, I want to ask you this: yeah. when I was in, so I remember the Boston Children's Museum, the aquarium, and then I remember Salem because I was fascinated with the occult when I was in sixth That's grade, the all the way to up go. through wherever, yep. and was like, I feel I would have been a witch. Oh yeah. Now, well, it's, did you relate to that? Like, did you hear no, about that sort of no, like the because, witch trials and all that? Yes, the witch trials and everything else. I mean, I think what's weird when you grow up anywhere you grow up, you sort of imagine that everybody has the exact same experience as you. So like, for instance, like kids that grow up in Los Angeles are used to seeing to a certain degree, their parents, friends on TV. So I think when they go to like visit family in Boston, they're like, what do you, well, yeah, that's my friend. Like they don't think of it as odd. Yeah. To a certain degree, it's like, I sort of was like, well, everyone probably lives in an area that was settled in 1620 and has like (laughs) the house of green Gable or the house of seven Gables, like by Nathaniel Hawthorne's house. Like everyone has like a, 300 year old cemetery nearby that you can do grave rubbings on right right so you don't think of it as being cool or odd like we did with plymouth plantation trips for thanksgiving and stuff like that and like those are major tourist destinations yeah um but you just don't it's like you don't think about it as being odd or weird and then it's you wind up realizing at certain points really cool the history part of it i mean the reality is is that you know Salem was built on this like insane puritanical pre-fundamentalist bullshit. So it's like it's and the the occult, the fun occult stuff, like the Wiccan stuff and everything else, that's really grown there organically in the past couple of decades as a as just a sort of like 
it's it's been like well where should we set up camp and it's like well here because we were pers- the idea being that like women were persecuted for having these beliefs which they didn't they weren't they did they that was just crazy talk and bullshit and everything else it's yeah. just a symbolic thing so there's nothing like I would say spiritual in the ground that really relates to that. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of fun. I mean, you know, there's like definitely a huge Wiccan population and Halloween is bonkers and right. that stuff wasn't those crazy when I was growing up. It yeah. was just Salem. Yeah. I don't know. They had think... a bowling alley in McDonald's. They had a closest hey. McDonald's to where I lived. So that was what I liked about Salem. How far away was Salem from you? I mean, it borders Swampscott. So oh, okay. depending on All which right. way you go, five, ten minutes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where the Mickey D's was. Oh, yeah. Was that like a special thing that your parents would do? Or? Absolutely. Although it was also like, I mean, I don't know what year McDonald's like came on the scene. I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, but it feels like in the 70s, like that was like where you went to like it, I've come from a Burger King family come on so I can't. oh we're McDonald's people I know interesting, well, interesting almost everyone I have a weird feeling that like my parents do like to be iconoclastic in that way where they're like we drink Pepsi hilarious okay hilarious we go to Burger King yeah like whatever's the thing that like less people that's do amazing. I'm concerned they rebel and they weren't the, even together in, in benign but I have a ways. weird yeah I have a weird <laughs> sense that I, it may have been that it oh, may have been like this is just the slightly like, road less traveled but it's still like it's not like they were going to with me with the Carl's McDonald's Jr. all I can remember and I, I it was the, the most appealing part of it was that like one or two rubbery sliced fluorescent green pickle that uh-huh, came in the sure. burger was like they really did they had oh, like that was heaven and also the some like i remember feeling like i and i i took on my parents snobbery about it mm-hmm. so i remember and maybe i've said some podcast podcast before but i remember like going to mcdonald's when i was with my friends families mm-hmm. and looking at what i consider to be the happy meal i was no like question. i get it yeah but it was just like oh that that, that hamburger is so sad sad my burger king whopper jr oh sure it was big the worst. it had a ton of on shit it. on it yeah it's and i a robust yep. yep hamburger we mcdonald's people are simple people <laughs> Um, but there was a McDonald's right behind, uh, right in front of a Candlepin Bowling Alley, which is another thing that is, is kind of regional that I didn't realize, which is Candlepin Bowling skinny skinny pins. Oh, okay. And a little teeny roll, bowling oh, ball that fits in your hand. Possibly have never done it. So much easier Sounds than regular fun. bowling. It was great for yeah. kids. I can't believe. And also they used to show on fucking Sunday mornings, or sorry, Saturday mornings after cartoons, they would show Candlepin Bowling champ, like, competitions oh i mean you you knew that was when your day you need to go fucking outside because it's so boring <laughs> it was so boring and they were just fat white dudes from like some piece of shit bar <laughs> that like piled into the candle pin candle pin which is so much easier than regular right, fucking bowling right. and it was just like ah, hmm, they just keep making strikes i gotta get out of here so yeah that was what i remember about that about salem <laughs> and when you talk about feeling like you didn't have kind of a more uh like a more full, complete social life? Is it because do you, I mean, do you have, do you feel, cause I sort of feel like that too, but sometimes I feel like I selectively remember all the time I spent by yeah. myself and I sort of cast aside more of the well, like, I cause know. I was definitely a social kid. I but wasn't that I wasn't social. I think that it's just different when you have to go outside of your own family to have that interaction. I, I think. Well, I agree with you. I think the difference between being an only child with no family. I mean, this is the other thing. Both of my parents were transplants. So my mom was from Canada. It is from Canada. She's still with us. Uh, and my father is from South Jersey. Okay. He got a job. They settled in Massachusetts and I had me. So Are they I, both Jewish. They both, both Jewish. Yeah. I'm the native. Okay. Yeah. And everyone in a small town in Massachusetts is 
not only usually generations back, but they all had at least three kids in their family. Mm. So I, it was unusual. I think it was odd to grow up with a family that just felt like it was configured and put together differently. Um, not to get into my parents' marital problems, but, um, <laughs> did they all, did they stay together? They though? did stay together. Yeah. They actually, they, uh, I know they're not going to listen to this. So don't worry, but they, they, they separated and then they got back together two years later and stayed together hmm. because that's I, unusual. Well, like I, I, of separating. I wished hard enough. Oh, Just sure kidding. That's all, that's all um, no, actually it was, it there. was, that was pretty devastating actually, because you know, you get used to something. How old you, were you when that happened? About 12. Ugh, that's yeah, it was, it was very awkward. There's an easy time. But. Yeah, it was bad. They kind of did a lot of things wrong. I think that they know they did things wrong. My favorite thing that they did so fucking wrong uh-huh. when they wanted to explain the divorce you know, it was a divorce. It wasn't just a separation. Like, they were going to get divorced. My parents gave me, like, they went to the bookstore, I guess, and got, like, a couple of divorce kids for di- divorce for kids books. Oh, no. So they gave me one book that was, like, kids, when your parents split up or something. And then they gave me a book called The Fall of Freddie the Leaf. Uh-uh. Okay. So I start reading The Fall of Freddie the Leaf. And it is 100% about the death of a parent. Like, it is, like, oh, no. it is about oh, a no. leaf ha- going through the life cycle oh, no. and then falling off the tree oh, and joining no. its other fallen leaves. And I was, I remember being a kid just being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what kind of divorce is this? Yeah. And this is the wrong book. And knowing at that point, like, these fuckers didn't even read the goddamn books. Uh, they just, they went to the D section. Right. Divorce and death were next to each other. They're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, pick those two. And so that was oh, very, no. uh, very 70s. Let's oh, not discuss God. this of them. Yeah. Um, but then they got back together and it was what it was. But, you know, I, I think I, what would happen to me is I would form these incredibly, almost to a degree, unnaturally close relationships with friends. Mm, and then I would become very easily hurt mm. because they their first priority were their siblings or their families. And I didn't have an understanding of that at all. So it was like, oh, I'm not invited to that dinner. Like I thought I was part of, and it's like, no, you're, that's, this is family. Like you have to go to your family. And I was like, I don't want to go to my fucking family. Yeah. It's just my parents and me. It's A, super boring and B, a little toxic. Like I don't. So I used to get hurt a lot. I think I felt very, and then I thought there was something wrong because I was so overly sensitive about it. Um, and I think, you know, it's taken a long time for me to acknowledge or realize that like, oh, well, yeah. And I, I still definitely like really search out sibling style friendships mm-hmm. in my life. Like I really want close family type. Like I am so conscious of like, making sure that if I have a friend that hopefully we're close enough that we can spend Thanksgiving together. And and I have that in my life now. Like I feel like there are certain family groups that include me as part of their family, but there's always a little bit of me that's like, okay, but if it doesn't work out and they want to be with their real family, like you can't fall apart over that. Like you have, and that's why we had more than one kid. Well, I was about to ask you that, of course. My next question Because they don't have any cousins. My husband and I are both only children. So they have no kids their own age like and they and they ask about it and I can tell it bums them out so what I've been trying to do is really I spend a lot of time trying to facilitate those relationships with their certain friends in our lives and like the the friends that I have like my really good friend Anna has two kids that I said that's your godmother these are your god siblings like it's the same thing as a cousin so that we're always included and that they're always included Mm -hmm. it's just and, and they they 
I can, cause I don't want them to ever feel that sort of emptiness. It's, ve- it was very hard. That was probably really hard. It was really hard, but whatever. I'm over it. I also yeah. was fed. You, <laughs> I, I mean, know. well, then you go down the road. Uh, yeah. Let yeah. me just compare. Yeah. Did you feel, did you have, because you do strike me as, you know, you're not someone that in the same way that you might've felt that about Jessica. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I place an expectation on what someone was like when they were younger, but you know, you're not a friend of mine that I'm like, well, she's pretty sensitive. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, definitely well, think I, of you as somebody who can take care of herself and who's like, well, that's also, you know, that, that's survival. And, that's survival. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I have, I suffer from m- m- hardcore clinical depression. I'm sure nobody else who comes on your podcast. Has. <laughs> um, Welcome to the family. You know, I'm a lifer, a Lexapro lifer. Yeah. Um, and I think in my, in my thirties, in my early thirties, I had a complete and utter mental breakdown. Like I finally like it hit like everything in terms of the depression untreated and everything else really came apart. And I definitely took months, did help, healed, did the work, therapy, medication, fixed it, not fixed it, found a way to manage it. And I came through it much stronger. You know, I really, I really do. I get, hey kids, therapy works. It does. I couldn't agree more. Therapy works and medication works and management works. It's like those things can really work and make you stronger. Listen, when my parents come around, I am 16 years old. Again, I am surly and mean and retarded. And then they leave and I feel guilty because I treated them like shit, but I'm, I'm, but I hate them. So it's like, (laughs) you know, it's still awful, but I feel like, for instance, like someone like you, yeah, like I think an impression of me is that I'm pretty confident and strong, even though I cry on the inside. Mm-hmm. But you know what I, I mean? just cry on the outside. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I stopped doing that. When I was having my breakdown, though, I mean, you know, for anyone who's been through that dark, 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 serious, almost suicidal depression, mm-hmm. and I don't say that lightly. I'm not joking. Like, yeah. the, the hardcore stuff. I mean, you go to the supermarket, and God forbid you run into anyone. No, because answering the question, how are you, is so fucking it's like a struggle in your neck yeah. where you're just like, I, I don't, I, I truly, what I don't, I, 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 I don't want to lie to you, you want, yeah. but if I, I'm just going to cry. And then you just start crying. I did that in front of, there are a number of people that have seen me cry in supermarkets. Do you feel like it was not to get into the LA sure. of it all, but do you feel, cause this is something that I'm always kind of interested in, especially with kind of sensitive, mm-hmm. creative people is, do you feel like you came face to face, face with it in, on a different level or in a more profound way or in a more, swift or cruel way because of this business than if you were doing something else somewhere else. I know it's impossible yes. to know, I, I but think, I just I think, wonder. I think there are certain things in this business that trigger a harder introspection and trigger a harder look at your self-worth and trigger, you know, f- because it's also so much of this business is so meaningless, but, you know, it's impossible before you're mature enough to really truly designate the meaning from the meaningless it's just and it still gets blurred Mm -hmm. it gets so much easier i think especially as you grow and you really truly take in the priorities in life not just to be aware of them and convince yourself but like you you really in your heart and soul are like oh that's meaningless i don't care yeah so the healing time between not getting a stupid job is just a lot faster you know things like that really do develop on your own but i think you hit a point if you're in this business where 
it's that point of like, okay, this is making me feel like absolute garbage. I feel like someone stabbed me in the chest, but my brain knows that it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. Meaningless. And that's when the break happens. Mm-hmm. And somehow when you emerge from that, the part about the knowledge of it being meaningless becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And somehow it gets small. The pain gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's still there because we're all human. We're not robots. Unless you're a psychopath. That's another passion of mine. God, me too. I fucking love learning about psychopaths. Oh my God, I love it so much. But I think it gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, you slip once in a once in a while and something really bums you and out also like it depends on so much of you know all the but I, we, get I, we could have a whole conversation about the depression side which is sort of also understanding as you age you know what makes you vulnerable and i just have that situation during over thanksgiving it was like you know we we traveled to arizona mm-hmm. and i i was very for personal reasons of like my mom's health and things that are going yep. on in my life i was very apprehensive about thanksgiving day proper and like i didn't sleep well the night before mm-hmm. because the person who was in the room with me was not sleeping well and that mm-hmm. sort of and so you have this kind of thing happen where the next morning i just i felt like garbage and i at least was able to say and because of that age and also just getting used to living with yourself i was able to acknowledge outwardly to the person i was with but also to myself you know, I'm just more vulnerable when I don't sleep well. So whatever apprehension I had about this is now times 10. Yes. Because each little thing, if you are if you have that kind of ecosystem in you that is sensitive or fragile in some way, you chemically know, or otherwise, you know it is like this little thing is a variable. This little thing's a variable. I didn't eat right. I didn't sleep enough. Now this thing that this stupid job that I know is meaningless takes on the meaning of you know, my my vulnerable body. It's almost, you know? it's almost like this, and I've never sort of thought about it this way but I used to in the darkness and when you're really not fully developed and you know you're sort of taking it all in at the same time I would do this thing of like planning trying to plan for the worst scenario so that the pain wouldn't drive me as crazy when everything went to shit that is uh, a useless practice that people I think do consistently I think as you get older and as you get a little wiser you do a little bit more what my therapist says is Instead of planning for the worst scenario, trying to get yourself emotionally through it so that you can just enjoy, it's more about preparing yourself for the reality of the present. It's just like, she calls it cubing yourself in light. Are you ready, hippies? Ooh, but it's cubing like, cubing yourself, yourself, it's like, I know I'm going in. to this party, this obligation. I know I'm going to see a lot of people there that, oh, I've just, I, you know, I've had awkwardness with in the past or they don't like me or they didn't give me that job or they probably think I'm worthless or what. First of all, the great news is nobody's fucking thinking about you. Correct. But, but it, we're all complete narcissists, so maybe they are. So you go in and you're just more like, okay, I'm just going to prepare myself for the fact that like there could be a couple awkward moments, but I'm just going to move through it. And I'm also going to talk to the people I want to talk to. Like, so you prepare for like, how can I kind of make sure that it's not a disaster? And then if it's a disaster, I just kind of separate myself as opposed to, well, it's going to be a disaster. So I'm going to make sure that I feel all my pain about it and anxiety Mm -hmm. now. And then I get there and then I can make it a disaster so that I was right. Right, right, right. right, And it's just like, I feel like I did that my whole life until more recently. Yeah. But yeah, when I, but when I was a teenager, um, I was depressed. You know, it's it's interesting to look back now and know that that's what it was because you just feel like something inside you is is just not. It's like it's like it's it's like a sticky cog. Mm-hmm. It's just not connecting all the way. And the girls on the basketball court, they, they look like their cogs were all greased up well. Yeah. They were all moving along at the right pace. Yeah, I think that I totally understand that. I feel. Did you have other friends who you felt? whether you were articulating that or whether you had your own personal understanding of it, that you were drawn I to had, people who had the sort well, of same no. messiness? In fact, I didn't, 
I, I, my very good group of girlfriends who still are very good friends of mine, I was the dumbest one in the smart Jewish girl nerds. Like mm. they were, they have all gone, every single one of them has gone on to like masters or PhDs, every single one of them except me the, and it was like that in like i was the b minus student and i was like, how the fuck are they getting a's i was like oh they're way smarter than me or they were hard workers or and i just was lazy yeah but they were my friends because they were the nice jewish girls so i was definitely friends with the nice jewish girls but i definitely felt you know i was a little bit taller a little bit blonder and i i i didn't and i say that because i felt awkward about it like i wasn't by any means like a a beauty queen of any kind but it was weird it was weird I always felt like I couldn't compete academically so and I was definitely expected to because that's the nice Jewish girl route you know particularly in like very conservative Boston area like you could I felt like my parents definitely were counting on a very traditional route so that was the other thing that was kind of complicated is I don't think that they didn't really start respecting any sort of like artistic choice in my life until I started working for Disney World. <laughs> and then they were and then they were like, "Oh, well that's, that's a, that's a company I understand. Right? So yeah. she's getting a paycheck and it comes from a company that has a name on it that I understand." So yeah. that's when they started to I mean they let's believe me. When I went to go work on the Renaissance Festival circuit, that was very confusing for them. Oh, that's amazing. As it as it should be. That was and how about my Jewish Yenta friends who came to visit me at the Renaissance Festival? I mean, I can remember looking up from the mud where I was rolling around in a, in a corset, in a corset and looking up and seeing Jessica Levin, Julie Friedson, Isla Sidman and Liza Eschelbacher just looking at me like, what, what, is, what are you this? doing? Like, yeah. what are you doing? We yeah. are all getting advanced degrees in public health. You know, one of them is curating at a Harvard's new art museum. The other one is like, say, working for nonprofit world problems. The other one's a social... I mean, anyway. So yeah. I do have to say that, first of all, I had no... I don't think I had any real sense of Renaissance culture, if oh. you will, until very late like in my 20s is when i started hearing jokes about me that it wasn't okay it, because so it wasn't, it wasn't came it, up well earlier. no i mean i remember being a kid and seeing signs for king richard's fair and as a kid like billboards and saying i want to go there and my parents were like oh no 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 like i think to them it looked like dirty or hippie or whatever it just really looked like medieval times yeah and then i think when medieval times became kind of part of the lexicon and kind of the joke and, and the cable guy and all that stuff people started recognizing that there was a complete subculture going on. And now with the internet and everything else, like people understand that it is, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's been a thing for 40, 50 years. In some ways it feels like it out Comic-Con's Comic-Con in terms of well, like being around and being a thing where everyone dresses up oh, and yeah. everyone speaks in a certain way. Well, and it's an also outdoors of... and it's particularly history based. So, I mean, the effort so much of Comic-Con is technology-based anyway because of the, just the sci-fi sci part of it. It's sure. not, there's nothing sci-fi about, yeah. oh, there's a little bit of sci-fi elements, but it's more fantasy as opposed mm -hmm. to sci-fi. Um, yeah, believe me, I mean, we could talk for a very long time about the Renaissance. But that, that's <laughs> this is, didn't you the do, Renic the Renacast. you did some stuff to sort of joke about that, like, I did a one-woman show one for, yeah. about when working at the Renaissance. You, so my I whole story about you. working at the Renaissance Festival right after college was, what I just described as Private Benjamin at the Renaissance Festival because I really didn't. I first of all I thought I was doing Shakespeare in the Park when I signed on to do it. I mean I was so naive. I really get that. Yeah, and, I'm sure I would have too. That's exactly. Oh what yeah, I and I I showed up there and I was like, oh oh this is not. I don't. This is where the 
I'm a Jew and this is weird and what? It does feel like it's really counterintuitive to the Jewish experience as you, as you, as I certainly as, as, as I had experienced. Yes, it was because it's smart carnies. There are nomadic people for the most part, the hardcore people that work on the Renaissance festival circuit are so fucking brilliantly smart because they are all basically history and language, English, uh, you know they're aficionados yeah they love the language they love shakespeare they're brilliant minded they're huge nerds in a positive well, that's what way i was gonna ask is if there was a is there was a sense of because i feel like the the little that i was exposed to it in college was definitely my theater friends oh who yeah fell into the when did you lose your virginity kind right. of like right. was right. it very well, and recently or has it not happened and yet th- but then it becomes a highly sexualized well, that's nature so fascinating yes because it. there are people like trekkers and like other people who glom on to certain sorry, but i think it's trekkies i'm pretty sure your, it's renaissance, trekkers. Ro- your renaissance roots are showing pretty sure it's trekkers. <laughs> <laughs> you just look that up it's trekkers Alrighty. um you can google that shit um but no they um they uh they find a comfort in in expressing themselves i think probably sexually and socially in an either in another time period or in a costume and like it's a mild version of i don't want to say furries because that's really fucking on the spectrum but fascinating but you know i do think that there is a comfort level there and i think people find each other you know they find their own thing that they really love and and i that was a real, I mean, look, that's my whole show and I'm not going to do my whole show for you because no one wants to hear that. But, you know, I really did go from, wow, this is fucking retarded to, well, this is retarded and hilarious and awesome and beautiful, you know? So I was able to like both look at it as a comedian and look at it as something that was incredibly heartwarming and it is a livelihood for so many people and it's a livelihood for me. I go every year and I take my kids and I dress up and I, I let go. them dress I up. I want to go with you. The you next should time definitely you go. come with me. I've it's never wonderful. been to one. Oh my God. Well, you should. Well, and, and here's the one. thing you'll find them to be generally a little bit less authentic now right. by virtue of spot corporate sponsorship and the fact that they've gotten much bigger and more accessible and everything else. But I can, you know, there's, I mean, there are certain fairs that are like that. And then there's really incredible obscure fairs that are just insanely beautiful. Yeah. Insa- they're people that kind of want to just keep it simple. You got to respect that, especially in today's world. You know, and I do feel like, well, this is the other thing I was going to ask because as you describe your experience being there and as you describe <clears throat> being in a group of girls who you feel sort of fit a certain type of criteria mm-hmm. that you didn't quite fit into. I'm, and and I feel like in a lot of ways I sort of even to the point where when you were describing the girls playing basketball, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about how when before we started recording you were like you know all the people that were at my wedding yeah is that I feel like I've always felt like that about even groups like UCB where I'm like oh I, I love all those girls but they're not going to think to invite me to the da 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 because I'm not part of that community yeah, but and so but I wonder if everyone kind of feels, feels that, that way, way about you know something. I have to say one of my favorites just just the UCB thing is interesting just as a woman anyway first of all it's very hard to get all the women there in one room together where you would 100 percent fit in and feel like you don't I, I feel that way I feel that way too there are times I am at that place I don't I, I'm like I don't belong here one of the best incredible descriptions about that experience being in the comedy community as a woman and as a feminine woman as a woman that feels like okay wearing makeup and dresses and whatever is Julie Klausner in her book uh, I don't care about your band which I fucking love um, wrote about feeling like Miss Piggy Hmm. Um, and the truth is, is like, yeah, 
she's dying for Kermit. Kermit's like, I kind of want to just hang out with all my friends. <laughs> and she, she's chasing after. She's just like loud and proud and female and emotionally retarded, like just crazy and then fine. And then me, 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 me. Yeah. And like, I, it's, and she's amazing. And she doesn't get the respect she deserves from that group of like fucking Scooter and Fozzie <laughs> and all those dipshit nerds yeah. who are funny. Yeah. But to me, it was like, oh God, I felt that way for years in New York at UCB. I was like in feature feature where it was me and a bunch of dudes and another girl who was a way more like, uh, just more masculine in the, her attitude and just kind of much more Daria like and everything else. And I was like, I wore lipstick and I just was like, I'm scaring the shit out of these people. And that was my crew for a really long time. You know, it's just interesting how it's all kind of shaken out. It's weird because this is going to be a whole hour long conversation on its own, but it's weird when you feel like you thought you were embracing whatever femininity outwardly Mm. that you had, but then you go into a community where it's also okay to not be that and then you sort of i feel like i had all this is a very specific example and i'm yeah, sure yeah, you can yeah. relate to this based on what you're saying mm-hmm. is um that conversation that, that i would have with myself when i was doing improv all the time mm-hmm. where i would be like okay so how much like for sure i need to wear the uniform right, right. like i have to right. wear sneakers jeans and a t-shirt i have right. to wear something that i could give to a guy that he could put on immediately and feel the same <laughs> exactly because it's not it, it, there are a number of things that were happening <clears throat> number one I had this I don't know if it was like implanted in me or if it was something I actually observed but I had this idea that no one wanted to laugh at a girl with lipstick on well that's a so, but I don't know like I don't know if that's I assumed that and I helped well, propagate cer- that or if, if but that it's was certainly, real it's perpetuated in in improv communities because of the group mind thing mm-hmm. I don't think that's I think it's a sort of a ben- that's the benign reason for it that's a good benign reason you know what mention. I mean I think that like there is a, you know, all those guys, like if you think about when I was teaching forever and, you know, you'd see these Herald teams go up and it's like, I mean, the skinny white guy, John always says it's the skinny white guy who is uh, not fat, but not in shape. Um, You know, he's got a little scruff. He's got a plaid shirt or a hoodie over this t-shirt, whatever. And like, as a woman, I think when you get on that stage, you also don't want to be underestimated in any way. So you want to dress literally exactly like them. And I think that, it is just, it is, I think it's about, that's what happens when you're in an improv group. I think that it's not, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because ultimately when you're becoming a comedian with your own voice, that's when you decide what lipstick you want to put on or not, right. or what's your voice. And I'm not saying it has to be stand up or one person show. It can be whatever it is, whether you're part of a, I mean, I chose ultimately, it chose me and I chose it to dress like a 60 year old woman most of the time and a crazy fucking 60 year old who's very very feminine i mean beverly is like one of the most sexually aggressive characters in the world and like ultimately that's where i found the most comfort and that's my comedic voice Mm that beverly is closest to what my comedic voice is which is hilarious because in my real professional acting life i play nothing but either bitch moms or corporate bitches all the time and beverly is the anti anti that she is ignorant but charming and sweet but babyish and id and makeup and cheap makeup and like all these things that I think my real comedic voice is and so it's I think it's about improv is fine wear lipstick or don't it's like to me that's like 
that's your breed. That's your learning ground. Mm. Like it, it, no improv group is ever going to, unless you're like one of the three, whether you're upright citizens brigade or whatever. And even they have gone off and found their own voice in professional settings. But it's like improv is the stepping stone. Mm, that's the, it's the practice ground. It's the college. It's the honing. It's the, it's wonderful. But ultimately you, you rhetorically as a comedic voice presence, like that's much more specific. So I think, then it's up to you to judge yourself on how much makeup you want to wear yeah. or how you want to be seen. Well, the nice thing about, yeah. When I you mean, tur- look at Bridget becomes- Everett. Oh God. Oh God. I mean, Bridget she Everett, I got to have her on the podcast. Jesus she Christ. Here, but that is a very, she, anyone who ha- is listening, like Google woman. Bridget Everett. It's like, she is hyper, hyper, hyper sexual. She's, looks like a f- and i mean this in a positive way like a fucking mac truck in a dress like yeah. and lipstick but she's like she'll show her tits and it's yeah. like that is her fucking like voice and it's like i can't even imagine what she would look like in jeans and a t-shirt and whatever but if she were doing an improv show it would probably behoove her to dress more like a group would yeah and right? who wants that? You want to see her and all yeah, her Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately, she's not going to go, she's not going to go backwards. Yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, they're just different. I think they're different formats. Yeah. Let me ask you too, when we're talking about the sort of sexuality of it all, where, how did that manifest itself for you when you were in high school? Because you said that you, when you were going to a Jewish private school? Yes. Was it all girls or was no, it? No, I went up through co-ed? sixth grade and then in middle school and high school, I went to public. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. How um, was it? Was it a small, was it like small town high school? Small town high everyone, school. You knew everyone coming all the way up. Through. I always kid my husband. I'm like, it was very John Hughesian, like yeah. super white, um, definite like social groups, but they blended. It wasn't quite as cartoonish as John Hughes. I think we happened to have a very, a very nice high school class, actually. Like everybody was genuinely like there wasn't a ton of bullying at all. Great. I think the, the bullying came in the form of just like ignoring Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with like anything outright. It was a very respectful group of kids. I had a uh, boyfriend. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this. Is a, there's something happening where I'm seeing something happening with Jamie Dembo? I may have never seen. I before. had a boyfriend. I uh, we uh, were. I was. That was. It was. That was good. It was good sexual introduction to things that was fine it was complicated you know as all first loves and first relationships are how long did it last was it one were you one of the for me it was very unusual to see like i always looked with wonder at friends who were with the same person in high school for any length of time we were together for like most of my all of my senior senior year all of my senior year and then like like almost like I want to say it was like a year and a half two years in total but it was very formative I mean it's unfortunately kind of set the bar for like a lot of my emotional responses to men for years to come um happily reporting I'm way past it now yeah um but uh it was uh it was I mean it was it was fun it was weird he he um it was it was complicated Hmm. God, I know. It's okay. It's okay. I totally understand. I mean, that's uh, uh, but but it gets, but it gets tricky when you want to respect not only your own past but, but like someone sex else's was story not sex was not the issue. It's funny as uncomfortable. This was so weird. I think God, you know, hormones and adolescence are so fucking strange because it's like I couldn't. I mean, I wore you know extra large sweatshirts to hide my boobs because they were just like a fucking albatross uh-huh. two albatrosses uh-huh. um and just like i was like very very you know slouchy and uncomfortable and i'm literally taking on the shape right uh-huh. now as i speak and yet sex was like oddly something that i was f- 
very comfortable and normal. It felt very normal, Mm -hmm. which is just weird. It's like, it's funny to think of that dichotomy because it's like, I wouldn't have shown my body in a bathing suit without a t-shirt on top of it. Couldn't agree more. And I carry, and I still carry that with me was like feeling like finding that I hated my body in a very specific in between of it all. Like not like enjoying wearing baggy clothes. And lots of people who've done the podcast for our age talk about how they, you know, that was the style. Like everything was baggy back then. But I do feel like I remember like there were definitely people who were, uh, like wearing really tight cutoffs because I had the same relationship with like oh yeah I, we definitely wore baggy clothes back then no question about it but, but I there was were people like, who were not and no. I looked at clothes just like I look at clothes on women now oh, and yeah. think I don't know how you feel comfortable wearing that I'm amazed totally. but also you have a different body than well, I do also, so I, I personally I mean you're you cycle like I I I you know I'm I have really been a perpetually lazy person I've been a lucky person I've had a uh, a fast metabolism Believe me, it fucking catches up with you. But I was that oh, yes, kid. I was that kid. I could eat three cheeseburgers yeah. and it didn't matter. And then like somewhere around college, I was like, oh, I'm eating three cheeseburgers and looking a little, huh. So I, For you sure. know, I started eating a little better, but like I was never, I never had a weight problem, but I'm soft. I'm mm. a soft person. Well, I feel like I, I've never I been a hard cliche body. Of a hard body. Ever. I never been a hard body. Like, That's the way they say masters. I've never been a hard body. I've never been a hard no, body. No, I didn't have a hard, I didn't have hard but, abs. But I feel like I have the like I can't even look I can't even look back you know people say like and I look back at that body and I'm like why was I so insecure I can't I even disconnect from that enough. Me neither I still look yep. at pictures there are pictures of me horrible even in high school yep. even in sixth grade Who's that? all Fucking of the girls terrible. around me are wearing yep. bathing suits yep. and I have on shorts and a t-shirt me like, too I did not want me too. to show my body nope. and yet I and but yet I would go skinny dipping with my friends when I started to be sexual. I loved. I I felt great as Everything. a naked person. Yeah, but well, yeah. I hated. Oh, I remember like daylight. Please bathing suits and also like you know when you're in that age too and it's like let's take a shower together and that's like an activity for an afternoon if yeah. no one's parents are home and it's yeah. like oh a telephone old call old timey ring an old timey ring I'm putting that away no problem um, I'm very popular and my I phone rings sometimes so uh, but no it's like yeah it's so funny I, I guess because also like the dudes are so like they're you know with the minute that the idea of anything sexual at that age is like their eyes just like roll back in their heads and like I don't care yeah you know so it's like oh all right I guess I don't either in this moment uh, it's true it's very easy to feel like a beautiful person gay straight by whatever or just when to like go after what you want in the moment and, yeah, yeah it's just like it's different it's just different I yeah, it you really know is. anyway so yeah that, so my relationship to that aspect was re- for relatively healthy considering everything else that was going on in my yeah. brain and head yeah Ay, ay, ay. Um, I want to get into some mash because I can't, uh, I can't wait to find out what your answers are going to be. Oh boy. Okay. Um, but I want to think about some things that, uh, I think will interest you most. Okay. God, I could really, I'm starting to feel like, especially because of the serial podcast, I really apologize guys. Although I have gotten a lot of listeners who's written me saying I started listening to it because you couldn't stop talking about you can't it. can't stop with talking cha- about with it. And amongst yep. them, um, who are now hooked, but, uh, like it's bad to the point now I'm just going to say real quick about it that um I I again I constantly have these check-in like checkpoint moments where I realize it's still really a problem when like a person close to you asks you like when you seem like unsettled about something or like you're like I was trying to watch something last night and I just wasn't that into it and my boyfriend's uh suggestion to me was like do you just want to go read reddit <laughs> like that's 
<laughs> like he knows that's going to heal me in some way. Or like that's what will calm so me sad. down is to go read about sure. new theories about Jay and Adnan. How sad is my husband is like, is like, do you want to just watch Naked and Afraid? Yeah. By the way, every Naked and Afraid is exactly the same. It's like Locked Up Abroad. It's the same right. thing. Every episode all, is the same. Everyone's naked. Can't watch it. Can't watch them enough. Yeah. Naked and Afraid. They're naked and they, gotta get on they survive in a inhospitable locale. Naked. Naked. And they l- always lose at least like 23 pounds <laughs> so in 21 so days. they're out there for a long time. They're out there for three weeks. I don't know weeks. what I expected that it was like three a weeks. night. Uh, like no. a, you spend the night in a nope. place naked? Three weeks. Holy and they're shit. just there to survive. That's the thing. It's not about the nudity at all. That's more of just an added fucking challenge to living yeah. like in, you know, at night when it's 60 degrees and raining and you're naked. So that's why I watch it. Uh, John, my husband, but, oh yeah, he's totally like, do you just want to watch, you want to watch naked in rain? Yeah, yeah. A lot of that. What is it? Where? Ugh. I love. I, I love survival. Maybe it's just never come up on the podcast before because I wasn't thinking about that much. But the amount of the amount of fascination that has clearly survived through my childhood of that fascination with like psychotics, terrible oh, things, yeah. the Holocaust. Oh yeah, bring it on! All that darkness. Love it. Love it. Um, what are we I, trying to understand with well, that? Well, uh, you, you know, know what? what I mean? My husband yells at me a lot because the last bu- the books on my uh, iPod, I I would definitely if I were a uh, some sort of CIA, I would have a mark on me. For the, bu- <laughs> for the books, the books are all like J.C. Dugard's story and uh, Charles Manson's bio- latest biography and uh, John Wayne Gacy and all this shit. Fatal Vision. Um, I say that to be honest with you, the reason I read about serial killers and psychopaths is because it completely demystifies the uh the terror hmm. it it nobody the idea that someone i was also implanted with the idea as a kid like with the oven someone's going to turn around and to throw you in an oven same philosophy of like someone is going to rob you someone's going to rob you they're going to stab you they're going to take your bag you always have to zip it you have to keep it on your body you have to th- the idea that someone was going to jump out of a bush and rape you that was like the, that was what was well i mean that clearly has happened to so many right, people right that is very very rare yeah. it happens yeah but when you read about the circumstances that create people who are so so mentally ill that they go on killing sprees or have this thing it is uh it is such an incredibly specific set of circumstances and it doesn't quite happen as often as we think it do mm-hmm. it does it just doesn't and that's really good news and ultimately it makes me feel safer you know, knowing what those signs are, knowing what, even though I've never, I mean, it's not like I can wa- walk around. And I'm like, well, there's a future fucking John Wayne Gates. I mean, that's the right. other good news is like, I don't see that necessarily happening around me. But do you feel like, I mean, when you talk about the signs, and yes, there's a morbid, but there's a thrill to it, yes. right? I mean, there's there also, is a thrill. Yes. It's and a I don't mean that disrespectfully. But how I is it? I don't mean it disrespectfully towards victims because no, I don't think that, no. that, that how I'm, is it different than watching yeah. a horror movie though? I don't like horror yeah. movies. That's my version of a horror movie is yeah. to, is to like read about someone being snuck up on and blah, blah, blah. And it's actually more interesting to me because it happened and yeah. slightly more scary. Scary scary is a thrill. It is. Yeah. Otherwise, haunted houses. And I don't like being jumped at. I don't like startling. Sudden scare- yes. Startling is the, not. Yes. Yeah. I don't no, like I don't, being, I don't like gory or being startled in that way, but no. I do like being creeped out. Me too. I like being creeped out too. I like Rosemary's Baby. I don't like Hostel. Like, it's yeah, like exactly. So, same, same, same. So same, reading yeah. about, you know, reading about it is somehow easier. I guess, you know, nobody's going to jump out of a page and just grab me. So I I also feel like what I, what I realized, and I I I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but like, I think that there is something too about not just feeling safe about the idea that there's a rarity to that, but, um, 
boy, it really is something that does not remind me of my own problems or my life. Mm-hmm. It's not even that I'm holding my own life up as a comparison in any kind of an exact way. There is way. nothing about this that mirrors, you know, I'm not, mirrors and it's, the and reality. It's very, and, it's, yeah. and it's very... Uh, because it's so fascinating because you can really get swept up on it and it's consuming in a way that, you know, the negative side of that being that like, I do feel that in some ways I've noticed that I lean towards that stuff. If I do have a problem in my life that feels scary and unsolvable, that somehow see, you know, seeking that out and being like, I haven't even bothered thinking about whether I should call my aunt because da 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 da, you know, is like I'm reading about this horrible person who blah blah blah. <laughs> like that feels very important to me. I need to continue reading this story. Like there is yeah, something about something that. And it's, it's real life, so it's legit. It's not like oh, I'm escaping no, no. Yeah, exactly. into uh you know. exactly. Look, I am done apologizing for reading about psychopathology. I think it is fucking yeah. fascinating. I like reading about it. I think it gives you more awareness about psychological makeups in people that have existed or that are around you now like I you know I it's to me it's that's interesting true crime is interesting it yeah. just is it's interesting for a million reasons that reminds me and I won't get into this because I really will get into this mash game but did you go to sleep no more ever in uh, when you're in New York sleep no, sleep no more. more is this weird like experiential oh no john did no 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 no. john did he told me all about the macbeth uh he told me it was amazing yeah i heard it i have to say i i will say this quickly because i don't think i brought it up at all but if you're in new york or if you're going to oh yeah uh, you have the opportunity to do it it has been running for like years now i guess it has it just keeps they think they're going to do it for like six months and then it just keeps it's an experiential theater project that sounds super faggy so chill out yeah but it's like i love that you use every un-pc word still out there guess what newsflash fag is a funny fucking word if you're from Massachusetts and if you're a faggot don't get offended just kidding sorry if you're gay I'm sorry if I offended you but calm the fuck down um, no, I feel like, um, I mean it in the third grade way by the way I don't even mean it as like a gay person so why don't you fucking chill out um, it, it's like an experiential thing I love that you're telling people about it and you haven't even done it <laughs> Here's what here's what it is. You walk around and there's people that are not talking and you're not supposed to talk and it's a little eyes wide shut, which it's is a, that wicked bad movie. Sure. But it doesn't matter yeah. because nobody's Tom Cruise is not going to rape you. That's right. But he might. And it's like Macbeth. Well, here's what I'll say about it. Yes, all of those things are true. But here's what I'll say about it. I, uh, God, I, I, it, I think about it a lot. That's interesting. Since, since having experienced it. And I will say this, number one, never has my, and I articulated this both to myself and to someone else very recently, like within a couple of days, because uh, I was thinking about it again. I was like, God, I can't stop thinking about this. I was, uh, I, m- my panic and anxiety mm-hmm. has never served me better because, and this came up for me because of the whole conversation we just had about getting that thrill yep. and like being, liking being creeped out and stuff is that um, while I don't, these guys know I had like a very, very negative experience with panic attacks. Right, 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 right. And, uh, and all of that kind of delicious stuff. Um, and right. that I, I don't seek out those experiences really anymore. Like I don't ride roller coasters. I don't like no ser- serious real life visceral experiences that yeah. make my 
body feel like yes. something's very wrong yes, here. Yes, yes. I, I don't that. either. I don't and either. I didn't know what to expect from this, but I found out very quickly that you will be separated from the people that you're with or the person that you're with. That's right. part of it is yep. you're meant to experience it's like what happens alone. if you go into the Scientology Center. And so there's a little bit of like, first, there's a little bit of, if you're a person who is kind of high strung anyway in that way, there is an immediate kind of like, I lost my mom at the supermarket, little kid feeling. Yep. yep. And if you lean into that, it's actually an incredible feeling because, well, what happened to me was very specific, which I don't want to go into because if you guys do it, there's a possibility that you will have an experience like mine, which was, as I'm told, fairly unique. Mm -hmm. But let's just say I didn't know what to expect. Very quickly on, I was very alone in the dark and every like id animal fight or flight part of me like where that panic attack comes from that stuff yep i was hit with a flush of adrenaline Mm -hmm. to the point where i was like high like i hadn't eaten enough dinner yep i i was alone in pitch black darkness yep i knew like my my super ego knew i came for this i am here i chose this i'm an older woman now so i understand that i'm not in real danger right but i am still extremely uncomfortable and i don't know what's going to happen next mm-hmm. and it created like a like a fog of high i mean i, yes. I didn't drink I, nothing i was completely sober but i fell out of my body and that feeling stayed with me for almost the entire experience and it became a, a feeling i wanted to hold on to and the feeling i wanted to hold on to meant i don't want to be around the actors or the people i want to find as many moments where i'm utterly alone in this environment as possible to hold on to this you little love, kid yes. feeling of yeah. like i have a secret i'm by myself i'm in my own little world and i think a lot of actors love that immersive feeling right of like the costume and the renaissance and i'm going into another world and not and apologizing it for it you know it what i mean it's very a, like i am not on earth anymore this is a very fucking conforming and puritanical going back to salem like uh, society it's like how often are you the minute you put on any sort of like extraordinary uh, costume piece wig whatever you're just looked at askance it's like this is it's typical that you would want to be among that you would just want to uh, this whole thing the theme of this entire episode could just be misfit Mm -hmm. misfit 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it just feels that you're right. It feels so good to be in a place where you don't feel like it's your, your, you don't feel like it's the norm and yet you feel like you're participating and God, it's such a thrilling experience. I really recommend oh, it. Oh, I can't wait. I wonder no. if my husband, is, but, but also I'm sure some people go and are like, now that John got a blow me. job while he was in there. Did that's you? what happened. I gave a blow job. Oh, that's oh, okay. So my, stranger. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Number one, because we're talking about this three imaginary worlds can be out of a movie, a book, your own imagination, whatever three imaginary worlds that it would just be amazing to just immerse yourself in for as long or as little as oh, you like. Absolutely. Elizabeth's court, Great. queen Elizabeth's court. Um, the Ren fair thing, but also I just, can I, should I explain? Sure. Um, I just, I mean, I, sure, she was just the fucking first female baller in the sure world. She was sure. She was so into it. Um, the other one that I think, um, Oh boy, that one just popped in there so fast that the yeah. other ones are kind of hard. You know, I guess now knowing too about like sort of how the Manson shit all went down, I might be interested in taking a peek into San Francisco in the 60s, but 
but like the summer of love, like mm-hmm, right before mm-hmm. things became really fucked up, like mm-hmm. when it was just weed, not speed, mm-hmm. because yep. th- it was only like three months and then shit turned around. Yeah. So it's like, I guess it's 68, 67, 67 or 68, whatever the summer of love was. I'd like to be like two weeks just Agreed. in the park, super stoned and maybe fucking some new people. <laughs> um, great, 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 great. And then, um, Is it possible to go to like an ice hotel, but to be in a very warm suit? Sure, so sure. That it, but like, look, but it's you. very thin and it's very close fitting and feels like I'm not wearing yeah. a heavy suit, yes. but I'm in the ice hotel. So I'm experiencing the beauty and the freshness of the ice hotel without any discomfort, without any it. discomfort at yeah. all. One hundred percent in. I like those. Okay. Three people from history could be as important or as unimportant, could be as silly as you want, but three people that it would be awesome to just like pal around with or just like pick their brain about something or understand them in some way. Hmm. Um... I mean, I feel like I... Uh, Elizabeth. I was going to say. Go, I, mean, I mean, she's let's, let's Elizabeth, just, for sure. I think sure. that's what made me think of the question. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk to her. Um, I feel like the problem is, is like the people that I think immediately to, I'm just like, ugh, I can't, I don't even, I'm not smart enough to like talk to well, them. Well, not in this one. In this world, you are. Hmm. Um, I would like to uh, talk to... Uh, what's so funny, you know, I, 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 in my real life, like Jessica and I both had this great experience where we got to talk to Jane Curtin about those early days of SNL. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it scratched so many like comedy itches that like, I'm like, oh, well, who would I want? Cause I, I really like talking to, I mean, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice that I have a real life experience that doesn't quite measure up. I'd like, I'd very much like to bring Jen hooks back and, yeah. and I'd actually like to talk to her like in her dressing room during like a Sweeney sisters. Produ- like great. Because I, I, Jan, Jan was my, like I, I said uh, on Twitter, I hate that I'm quoting myself on Twitter right now. <laughs> it's really Fuck okay. that. It's but about. I said something that actually was very true for me, which was like Jane Hooks, Jan, Jan Jesus Christ, Jane Curtin, Jan Hooks. Exactly. Jan right. Hooks was my gateway drug for mm-hmm. comedy. She was my gateway into comedy. Mm-hmm. I saw that woman doing her thing and I said, that's fucking funny. That is who and where and why and I totally get it. That's what I'm into. I think Madeline Kahn was that for me. Probably. I get it. Yeah, I think I think Madeline was Jessica's yeah. probably too. Yeah, yeah. She loved Jessica. Uh, Jessica loved Madeline. I don't know if Madeline knew Jessica. I'm sure she loved um, Jessica. She's very lovable. And um, I don't know. I guess it wouldn't be as much of a. Um, you know, it's like I keep thinking of this Stephen Sondheim and Barbara Streisand, and like I mean, the list just kind of goes on. But it's like. Oh, I. You know what? I'd like to have a convo with Hitler. Great. I'm interested in what's his entire mental state because also basically now with all of my, I'm not going to say expertise, but knowledge of reading about psychopathology, I would like to get in there and just like figure him out. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, what is going on? Like, what's who? What? What's going on? Like, I'd want. He'd have to open sense. up, but I'd want to yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. I think, well, it is, it's almost like it's, it's even beyond the conversation and it's, it's actually just being able to get in that. I want to observe. I want to like go along with him. Yes. I want to see some of his, understand the logic in a very internal way. I want to be able to put it together in a psychopathology analysis that I can like observe him at close range 
for a few weeks and just be like, oh, that's interesting. That you- well, anybody like that where it's sort of the ultimate villain, right? Where, and I've talked about this before, like my fascination with villains who believe they're right and who, not to say that they don't, they all, they all do, of they course, are, but yeah. like, how do you feel that right? Like we sort of understand, like contextually, people come up with reasons, but I'm so fascinated by, and the genocide that happens now, the idea that you could, because, and that's what's so fascinating about those little moments where you feel a burst of rage towards yeah. Yes. because you per- you feel personally you know what affronted. else I want I- imagine just spreading that out to six million people like I feel personally passionately affronted by this and it's all of your I fault. just I want to change mine okay I want forget Hitler great I want I know who I want I want the farthest great grandmother that I have great like as far as we can go back, I don't even have no like. I want to. I want to get to the beginning of the lady line. Yeah, the mom line. Right. Great, great, great. The mom line. That's mom where line. I love go. it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All right. This personal favorite. Uh, three types of food or three very specific foods that you could have. Snap of a finger. No physical ramifications whatsoever. Spaghetti and meat sauce. Mm-hmm. Great. Bolognese. Um, chocolate cream pie. Ooh. And oh God, um, oh, I love everything. I love so many food. <laughs> I love, but everything. those really came easily. Jesus, yes, they did. Um, oh, oh, uh, and as many peanut butter cups as oh, one would God be allowed. Damn it! Why are peanut butter cups the best thing ever? The best, because it's all about it. peanut butter and chocolate. What are just, your favorite ones? Because I feel the Trader Joe's are have yet to be beat. Oh come on! No, it's got to really? be better. Yeah, stop it! All right, it's all right. Reese's, but they have to be fresh. That's the problem. That's the key. Mm-hmm. You cannot. You can't just pick a Reese's peanut butter cup off of the fucking shelf at CVS. Yeah, yeah. it has to be like Halloween. They've just been replenished, mm-hmm. and you know that you're. You know what I mean? Like you're getting like the freshest I know, version. It's very easy to it, get a, a dry one. You don't want a dry yeah. one. It's got to have a little bit of moisture to it. Like I know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. Yeah. We went straight for the Reese's. I'm very interested in that. Yep. And you've had Trader Joe's? I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Oh, that's, 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 right. you're, you're, it's like, that's, that's just like a, tr- a fa- I feel that fake, more healthy. Creamy, but the peanut butter f- tastes more. I don't want it creamy. I want it how I, I want see, it. I, see, I, I want understand. it how I want it. You know what? Why am I fighting you on I'm this? I'm not going to fight with you. It's my, I really yeah. apologize. It's okay. Three, uh, uh, all due respect to your incredibly wonderful husband. But now that you've already talked about going back to the summer love and fucking some different people. Why not? Three, um, uh, people, I don't care if they're fictional from history. Ideally, there are people that someone knows who they are, so it's fun to imagine. Yep. But uh, yep, sexcapades, uh, romance, yes. a second husband. I don't care. Yes. Three. Oh, that's so hard because it, it's like it's so sad. I'm just like I don't even think about. It. I mean, well, I, for me too. A lot of the time, I go back I, to place people who made my pulse race that were celebrities or, or characters uh, yeah. at a time when that felt more important to me. I don't have that as much anymore. Yeah, but like, it's so funny. I like reconnecting with that place when I was like, I felt that I would die if I did not marry Michael Keaton. Oh, I, you know what? I was, really, you know? I like that John Snow from uh, oh, <laughs> from uh, from, uh, from Game of Thrones. And actually, John knows that I like the John Snow. John Snow is plushy lips and mm-hmm. very cute and mm-hmm. he's he's always covered up in furs <laughs> i'd like to know what's going on in there. um i like uh i like jeff goldblum in the fly years before he turns yeah. into a fly <laughs> um preferably great and um oh this is weird okay everyone don't get upset what if you're like, do you watch Hitler? Homeland? <laughs> do you watch Homeland? Yes. Okay. 
I like that Life of Pi Indian boy. Oh, I know. But I don't want him to talk because mm-hmm. I think his voice sounds like a baby, like a little baby Indian boy. Mm-hmm. So I would like him to have a British accent mm-hmm. like the other Indian guy. Mm-hmm. But I like the, the package of the voice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I really like the guy that has been that's on the other side that's been helping Carrie like inform yes, her. Yes, I, 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 very sexy. Not as sexy as Young Life I know, of Pi. I don't. I was like when he first was on the show, I was like, oh my god, are they going to really go down this road? And then they started to, and I was like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in. in. I, go ahead and guess sleep what? with him. And Sounds by the way, good. they Sounds had real good. They had no chemistry. Yeah, they and, but I was like, I should be there. I, I, sh- I could, I, I could make that work. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely He's very. It cute. did. It co- it caused some questioning in my mind. Where it's I was so like, funny. Why am I, I having this response? I like that I love he's that you yes, have this and he's got like those beautiful puppy dog like yeah. boy. Like he's also like in his like he's like maybe twenty two. Like know, he's I just know. like a puppy. But like I don't want him to talk. I understand. Okay. God, I really do understand. How okay. just listen to us. I know we really just. I, it's turned like him into fucking that. Cougar Town over here. It's disgusting. <laughs> okay, I know you have to go. Soon. No, I uh, I have to pee and I have to leave in like five minutes. All right, um, we're gonna go through these fast. Speed round. Uh, three vacation homes that you could have anywhere in the world. Nantucket. Um, I mean, someplace like I've never been there, but I assume that I would love St. Bart. Sure, 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 sure. Oh, no, change it. I've never been to the Maldives either, but I want it there. Great, great, great. Yeah. That looks like fucking heaven on earth. Oh, and also I want a spaceship that'll just take me there in a second and I don't have to take a plane. Great. Um, I'll do that as the next category then. Thank you. Do and uh, well, let's, let's, you know what? Let's keep it simple. Let's do, let's do Maine. Great. Although it's very similar to Nantucket, but Maine will be in the winter and we'll ski. There you go. Okay. Three modes of transportation that uh, get you someplace as fast or as slow well, as you want I just to said spaceship. Spaceship. But except it doesn't go, my spaceship doesn't go in space. It just kind of shoots and lands. Air, airship. Yep. Airship. Um, the invisible jet. Like, uh, but I fly myself. It only has like two buttons. It's the same one. That, it's the exact same one that Wonder Woman has. Right. By the way. It knows exactly where to go. <laughs> two buttons. Right. And a, um, a, a a a dragon that will carry me next to, like nurse, nu- nuzzled next to it like in a bjorn mm-hmm. except the dragon is f- soft and furry like, i think you just described falcor the luck dragon that's what right. i want is a luck, a luck dragon Great. with a bjorn wonderful i want to be in the bjorn surprising scales on that luck dragon yeah okay i don't uh, want any scales no scales yeah, i know surprising no okay. scales um three skills that you wake up with tomorrow that you had to learn not at all but you're an expert i can speak spanish so i know exactly what the la sushi chefs are saying fantastic um my boobs are smaller and fit into spaghetti st- they're still i look like a woman but like i can wear spaghetti straps and it's not an issue okay um and uh it would be well these are very they're very simple aren't they they're uh, they're so la based by the way (laughs) because literally the next one was like i wake up never needing botox having never gotten it i'm actually trying to hold out as long as i possibly can possibly forever um i have no judgment about botox at all i think it's great i think it works on people like everything else i'm just giving myself a personal challenge so i wake up tomorrow and my face freezes now the way it is so that i never ever need to get botox face freeze face freeze copy that uh okay last final one will be the pressure um 
I want everyone to know that Janet is writing on a very small piece of paper with a Sharpie. I do. It's uh, That in itself is a very specific challenge. Yeah. Uh, three things that you created that exist in the world that you love that you are responsible for. It could be a play, could be, you know, a movie, could be a sandwich, could be uh, yes. a building. Um, well, um, my children, which is emotional, but true. I created two fucking great kids and they, and you already have them. Yeah. I created, Oh, wait, Oh, this is that I could create. Yeah. Like, Oh, the, like you're like, uh, oh. you're like, Oh, you didn't know that I'm responsible for oh. the Getty oh. museum. Oh, or like you oh. didn't know that six I, th- more children. Just kidding. Amazing. Um, no, um, things that, that I would like to take credit for. Yeah. Is that what the question exactly. is? Oh, um, the Virgin Atlantic first class lounge in London, Amazing. Heathrow. With because it's got like swinging kind of egg type mork chairs Ooh, and they fun. offer massages. Oh, they free. really got it going on over. Virgin. They know what they're doing. They have yeah. a buffet that's always being replenished. Yeah. I did that. I did yeah. that. Wonderful. Um, Thank God. I um I created um wait 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 what did I create um I gave birth to Sondheim. Perfect. He was mine. Perfect. He came out of my vagina He's your genes, and baby. I blessed He's him and I said, I said, um, I want you to go live with these people who will give you just enough of a fucked up childhood that you'll have to write very dark musicals for the rest of your life you that everyone will enjoy. Had to happen. Yep. So I gave, I, I made him, I made Sondheim and, um, also I, um, created, I created, <laughs> It's can, and it cannot exist yet? Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I fucking took Ebola and shoved it up Great. a giant... Uh, I, what I did was... It's not a vaccine, so you don't have to even give shots to people yes. like in Liberia who are wary yeah. of like Western medicine. Yes. It is a pill Great. that turns into whatever food you like um, in your mouth, and it cures Love you it. of the Ebola. That's brilliant. I fixed it. You really need to get on I that SAP. Okay, tell me when to stop. Stop. Oh, I feel like everyone chooses that time. No, no, no. What I is, never do the same shape twice. I'm pausing this. You pee. I, I will have an oh, answer. Great. And then you will run out the door. Okay, I'm going to pee. Put it up. We're going to get you out of here. I just want to no, announce no problem. Your, uh, your wonderful, uh, 100% guaranteed MASH future. First of all, you have an apartment in Nantucket. Oh, perfect. Uh, very excited about that. The dogs are going to I don't mind. lick you to death. Okay. Um, you have, uh, and how you get there? Uh, the spaceship that travels through <laughs> the air. Uh, I want to congratulate you on uh, your... Listen, a lot of this imaginary stuff really came true for me. I'm feeling very excited about it. it. Number one, you get to meet your greatest, 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 greatest grandma. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, You also get to travel... She better fucking speak English. ...to Elizabeth's court. Nice. Yeah. So you I basically was, got Elizabeth, you know, what, and you got the. Grandma. I was kind of, I was kind of like, yeah. that was what I was pulling for yeah. that double. Definitely got Elizabeth Court. I don't know if they eat chocolate cream pie there or not, but you certainly have the access to it Fuck at yeah, any time, any place. Maybe you spread it over young pre-fly Jeff Goldblum's body and lick it off. <laughs> I knew it was going to be. He Jeff, did have man. a nice, beautiful, his beautiful. He brown did, and skin. he looks Let's like he just, could, he looks like he could take. I it. saw him He's at Whole Foods the other day, and I had you a did? hard time not walking up you and know, being something? like. I think you and I are meant to be friends. It has to be pre-fly though, man, because I'm very disappointed in him because he just married a girl like half his fucking age. I think I may have lame. It's just lame. Well, you got him. You got him. And you know what? This makes sense to me that he also was a scientist. You guys were probably both scientists because you created the Ebola cure. Listen. So good job on that. Thank you. And you know what? You couldn't be bothered working on anything uh, vanity related and it doesn't matter because you have face freeze. (laughs) 
Guess what? I got Everything my face freeze, yeah, you yo. Got, you got your own face freeze so you can focus on more important things. I'm a things little like, uh, sad that you both cured. I cured Ebola. I'm a yeah. little sad that I don't speak Spanish. Because I, <laughs> like I really need to know what you know, they're fucking saying. That could be fixed. Oh. That you could actually learn to do. Oh, that's People exhausting. People say Rosetta Stone is very effective and mm-hmm. easy. They do. It's mm-hmm. like a real thing. I haven't done it, but my when I went to uh, uh, France with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. she uh, well, you just listen spoke, to it like more it? French than I Come did. On. It was crazy. I'm not kidding. You know, I'm not inclined. I'm not it's kidding. like I no. think you either have it or you don't when it comes to language or yeah. musical instruments. Yeah. I'm That's very lazy. Right. I told you, B minuses. That's here, where we're at. In this world, now just still face face freeze. Denbo, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I love you so I much. Get you out of here. I adore you. All I want to do is look at you. It's I wonderful. Know, I, do I feel bad for them because this is a podcast because they can't look at your beautiful face. Well, I, they don't need to look at this. Oh, they this certainly do. Oh the world get needs to look at this. Get out of here! I, I've said it before. I said it last week. The Ron and Beverly podcast. Please check it out. Uh, it's pretty Jamie funny. does a lot of stuff on screen. She also does a lot of stuff behind this behind the scenes with writing. But she's amazing. I'm amazing. I'm just going to echo you every other third <laughs> love her um guys uh guys. i will talk to you next time on the podcast podcast as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi now leaving nerdist.com